Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is Archery Unfiltered, the show that cuts out all the nonsense and gets right to the core of what it takes to make you a better archer. How's it going, fuckos? Well, your boys got a new season of podcasting underway, which is just another way of saying I decided to change the intro. <laughs> I got told that my intro music was like sexy, seductive, uh, homoerotic music, which it wasn't, but you know, what a, if the human mind wants to hear homoerotic the human mind is going to hear homoerotic regardless of whatever the truth is so um i've been getting a lot of love after my performance in vegas which like let's be real guys i i didn't win anything <laughs> um i didn't even make it to the shoot off damn it but i have to tell you all that i'm very grateful for all the praise um I appreciate it, guys and gals. Like everyone that's sending me messages, it means a ton to me as a competitor. Um, it also means a ton to me as a podcaster because it means you guys listen and follow. And, you know, whenever there's events like this, I'm going to cover, you know, how I'm doing and what I'm experiencing and all that, just as so you guys can bounce your own feelings off of that. Um, when I'm not doing that, if I'm not doing an event, I'll probably be talking about practice. But the main core of this show, like the main focus of this show is going to be how do we all get better, right? How are we all going to get better at this sport? So um, I got, today's going to be a special one. Like most people are tearing down their, their indoor setup and getting ready for outdoor, right? So I'm going to give you guys the the basics on what you need to do for that. Um Another thing that I wanted to discuss that I thought you guys should all check out, uh, Blue Line Archery, my buddy Carlos uh, Negron, he got an interview with Bodie Turner, and a couple months ago, I asked Bodie if I could interview him, and he said maybe, but then it was kind of like, nah, and then I never got to interview him. Well, I understand. Uh, for anyone that doesn't want to come on my show, I totally get it. Uh, this is a heavy shit-talking podcast. It's not good for optics, uh, most likely. Um, I'm blunt and honest, and that kind of doesn't go too good with most people. Um, but that's totally fine. I mean, if you guys listen to the Blue Line Archery podcast, Bodie is really fucking honest. And it's a really good podcast to listen to um, because you hear him talk about his progression from being like a 295 shooter to a 298 shooter to a 300, then to shooting 25x games, and then to eventually shooting 30x games, and then doing it in competition, right? He doesn't come out of the gate and is like, oh, I never shoot nines. I haven't shot nines in 20 years or whatever. You know what I mean? I mean, granted, he's only 15 years old, but um, he doesn't, he's not super. His ego is not out of control, and you better believe it. If any of us were in Bodie's position, any of me or my homies, our ego would be fucking out of control, right? But Bodie's super cool, and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, so I started here, and I shot these events. I was scoring this. Uh, I kept practicing. And if you guys listen to hit that show, all right, if you have the time, I'll give you permission to cheat on this show with Blue Line Archery and listen to the Bodie Turner interview, like... It's it's a good one, and you will hear a lot of stuff that I have been harping on or I've discussed in previous episodes. He goes into the Joel Turner shot IQ thing about just keeping his release going, right? And like that's the whole thing. He has a he shoots with a mantra, right? Bodhi's mantra is simply rolling or the word roll or something like that. But the difference is when I talked about the mantra thing, I was saying the word pulling, 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 right, or something like that. 
Bodhi says, when you're doing that, every time you stop and start the word, you stop and start your subconscious in your activation, your release. So he just rolls one word the whole time. I'd imagine it's something like roll bang. You know what I mean? Like, I imagine that's what his his thing is. Um, pretty cool. I've talked about that. I've talked about when I was getting all up in the shot IQ shit. Like, that's like what I was like, oh, man, the mantra. And so if anyone cares, Bodhi's using a mantra. Like, it's there. And dude's shooting fucking phenomenal. It's insane. Um, he also talks about his arrows. This is another thing I wanted to address. So I told you guys that I shot a blade with my arrows and it was gar- garbage, right? Because I was thinking it was vein contact, and the points were too light. So with the Hamskia, they're killer uh, because there's no vein contact. They just shoot darts. Um, with the blade, I was getting like low X 300s, right? But here's the one thing. So I, I was I attributed that to point weight. I thought that if you put a higher point weight, your arrow will glide over the blade better, won't get disrupted by you know slight vein contact. Well, Bodie's shooting 120 grain points in Superdrive 27. Superdrive 27 is the same as a gold tip triple X. Same as, I'm just going to go on a limb and say it's the same as most 27 arrows, right? Very similar to a gold tip triple X. Um, Bodie's running 120 grain points. Three fletch, long four inch veins, the AAE 40s, right? Uh, and that's one thing I did not take into account. I did. I don't think, Carlos asked him what kind of blade he was running, but I bet a .08 blade can, like, not fuck up, or, like, the vein contact isn't so crazy critical on an 08 blade, and that's what I didn't test. I wonder if I went to an 08 blade if it would have cleaned up my X count for um, that testing. So, anyway, on this show, I always tell you corrections or issue, like, I'll say one thing, I'll make a, a bold proclamation, I'll say it's in stone and then the next episode i'll tell you guys hey everyone i made a mistake okay there's a mistake there's a mistake right there that i can tell you all right you can run a blade and you can run light point weight bodie turner is proof of that all right uh whether or not he's running an 08 blade and that's the key to do it i don't know yet but that's what i'm guessing is he's running a very soft blade because in my experience the 10 blade really did not do did not enjoy 150 grain points but who knows just my theory a lot of this is theory um what's so cool about Bodhi is he's on that level where it's like the gear is just there to keep him is the gear is just there to not hold him back and everything else is mental and him and that's the stage that we should all be at this point, we should all be getting towards that, right? I'm going to talk about gear just so you guys can get it out of your brain as being an excuse or a reason why that it's hanging you up, all right? After we get the gear sorted out, it's you, the arrows, the target. It's going to be about you working on your mental game, you getting the confidence from shooting and the focus that you need to get shit done, all right? So let's see here. Um... One thing I'd like to address is that if <laughs> my buddy Carlos brought this to my attention, Chris Perkins got pissed apparently that uh, I guess someone cheered when he missed in Vegas. <laughs> I guess it really hurt his feelings. And he said, I know who you are. He posted on Facebook, I know who you are. Pretty effed up. Um, I like Chris Perkins. I like his shooting style. Uh, I like the fact he shoots a Matthews bow. I like the fact that he figured out how to lose weight and still shoot a bow at the same time. That's all cool stuff. Um, being hurt and then making a post about someone cheering that you missed is kind of like a less than classy move. Granted, whoever cheered, that is not classy. All right. Whoever cheered at Chris Perkins missing, pretty fucking, you know, I don't want to say trashy, but. That's very, you know, uh, Paps Blue blue Ribbon of you is what I'm going to say. Very Paps Blue Ribbon of you. Um, but you know what? You guys are pros. Or, you know, not that Chris Perkins listens to this show, but as a pro shooter and with how popular archery is getting, target archery specifically, or how, you know, popular it is just with all the people that are in it already, 
Expect to get booed once in a while, dude, or expect to get cheered when you fuck up. I mean, look at the pro athletes, like in basketball. That shit happens all the time. Dude, people talk shit to those guys on the court. It's amazing that no one talks shit to the shooters. Not that we should, not that anyone should ever do that. That's, that's not even Pap's Blue Ribbon. That's free crack pipes, low class. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. I thought that was interesting. He felt the need to put a post out on it on some Facebook group, and um, yeah, I I didn't think uh, I didn't think that kind of shit happened, or nor did I think it really affected anybody. But I guess you know, I guess it still happens. I I'll tell you guys what, when um, Stefan Hansen sunk his uh, Inside Out X and smoked me for the the, the Lucky Dog, Brayden Galantine yelled so loud, I. I, I wanted to turn to him and give him the finger. Like, Braden Galantine was like, Rah! and I just wanted to be like, dude, calm the fuck down, all right? Like, just calm the fuck down. <laughs> but I didn't, because, you know, it, when you do good with grace, you got to do, you got to lose with grace. So <clears throat> I'll just bitch about him <laughs> in my basement to all of you guys. <laughs> Is that with grace? I don't know. Oh, I heard a funny thing the other day, and it made me, Remember, okay, so uh, Caleb Quiocho shot a 599 in Vegas. Um, you know, youths don't shoot three days, they shoot two days. So, arguably, you could make the assumption if he shot another 300, he would have been up there right next to me, right? And uh, I was just thinking, man, you got Caleb killing it, you got um, Bodie killing it, you got that girl Liko killing it, and it's like, god damn. I really think <laughs> I can say losing to kids, it just fucks with my allergies, you know? It, <laughs> I mean, I'm not crying, but it really fucks with my allergies sometimes. <laughs> Man, times they are changing. Um, let's see. Upcoming events. There is an event coming up called, um, I don't know what it's called, actually. Uh, it is next weekend, guys. I'm going to cut this on a Monday. I'll, I'll tell you right now. It's happening... On the 20th, all right? I'm guessing it's the 20th. might be the 19th, but this is on you guys to find out. Yuba Sutter Bowhunters Archery Club and Range. Everyone's calling it Spenceville. So I might be wrong, and it might actually be Spenceville and not Yuba Sutter, but I remember it being Yuba Sutter's. This is an event where you guys can go shoot orange spots early, all right? It's the earliest. If you're in Northern California, it's the earliest orange spot warm-up it's the warm-up for out you can use it as a warm-up for outlaws use it as a warm-up for writing whatever N that's the perfect time to get it going all right um i would be there but i signed up for indoor nationals uh in sacramento uh stupid on my behalf because i should have just got my outdoor shit together and got the orange dot game going um but i kind of want to see how i can do it indoor nationals you know it I'm like a real fan. I'm, I really like indoor shooting. I've always liked it just because it's, it's shooting in a vacuum. And I feel like if you can do good here at indoor, you can do decent outdoor. Now, granted, outdoor archery has more variables, more factors that come into it, which make it makes outdoor much more exciting for most people. Um, I'm not going to say it's not more exciting because it's all in the eye of the shooter, I guess, right? So anyway, Yuba Sutter uh, or Spenceville or whatever you want to call it is coming up. Great event, guys. I I would rate that field as a medium difficulty, right? Lots of easy shots, lots of, you know, flat 40, flat 30, flat 50-yard shots. Um, even the shots that start, you'll start to go up a hill, right? There's this big hill that you'll shoot your way up and then shoot your way down. You're shooting laterally along the hill. So you're not doing a lot of, um, you know, cutting on your sight tape or anything like that. It's just, um, when you're shooting on a side hill, sometimes you got to be mindful of your bubble. Some people let that bubble go right at the last second and they don't hold into the hill or, you know, they don't hold their bubble level. So that's one thing for you guys to, those that are going to shoot it, one thing to, to look for, all right? Aside from that, very easy. They have one really long-range shot, if I remember. I can't remember if it's 100 yards or 90 or what, but there's like a, a crosswind on that long shot. So there is that. But aside from that, it is a great event to shoot and just dial yourself in. I think I shot a 918. 
at that event last time? I can't remember. I want to say 918. Um, but yeah, great event to cut your teeth on and get your outdoor shit rolling. Uh, I wish I could be there with you guys. I'm going to be shooting 23s and getting yelled at by uh, Lisa Pohl. She's the uh, organizer up here. Great, really nice lady. Um, really has very little patience with people like me, but I like her regardless. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, I'm going to, you know, next week or maybe this week, depending on, you know, how uh, easy life is going with a baby, I will get into my outdoor arrow build. It's not that exciting. I'm pr- I've probably talked about it before. In the meantime, I have been getting a lot of people asking me the same question. Wendell, it's outdoor season now. I want to set my indoor bow up for outdoor. And I would be doing that right now with you guys also, but I like my indoor bow set up so good that I end up buying an outdoor bow. So that I'm going to end up building a whole new bow just for outdoor. If that's a, you know, whether or not it's a bad idea, it's very possible that's a bad idea. I mean, we just spent X number of months really getting acquainted with our indoor bow. So for everyone that's going to keep shooting your indoor bow, I think it's a great idea. Uh, I mean, shooting that same bow, but, you know, switch it to outdoor, I think that's a great idea. Because you really get the feel of that bow. You know, your drawing's dialed in, your strings have already settled. It's a smart idea, right? I, I do believe by setting up an outdoor bow, I'm making a mistake. In a very minor way. I I think I can shoot enough arrows to get that outdoor bow feeling the way I want. Um, my indoor bow, I can continuously practice in my basement. And uh, that's what I aim to do. Anyway, a lot of you guys are asking me, Hey, Wendell, how do I set this bitch up for outdoor? Well, first things first, I'm going to give you guys the sweet and easy way to do it, right? If you really want to know the sweet and easy way to do it, all you really have to do, like the bare minimum, say you were going to go shoot outdoor tomorrow, or say the day after, because you need sight marks, right? If you're going to do it tomorrow or the day after, really all you have to do is raise your arrow rest. And you want to shoot through paper if you can. But you would plug your, you know, Plug your skinny arrow in, shoot it through paper. Most likely, if your bow is dialed in properly, what you'll get is a knock-high tear. Maybe a slight right or left, right? Maybe slight right or left. Um, in the event that it's just knock-high, all you'd have to do is raise your arrow rest. And you just raise it until that, that paper tears a bullet hole. And, you know, alternatively, if you have a left or right tear... Knock right tear, you're going to bump your arrow rest left. Knock left tear, you're going to bump your arrow rest right. Okay? Um, I'm assuming you guys, your bows are somewhat dialed in by now. So, you know, if you listen to my show and you know about back bar angle, taking out your bearer shaft and all that shit, and you guys have done some of that stuff, or you have decent paper tears already with your 27s, if you can get a bullet hole with your 27 you can get it with your field arrow okay i firmly believe that if you can't arrow's too weak too stiff something wacky like that um i should tell you guys there is this like new school of thought not really new but kind of emerging that you cannot go too stiff on field arrows uh i don't know if that's true all right but shooters that are better than i believe that so it might be true it very well might be true um, so, okay, that's one way to do it. Just raise your arrow rest, get it dialed in, blammo. If it were me, right, and I was going to tear down this TRX and set it up for, um, for field or safari or whatever you're going to do, first thing I would do, right, extremely carefully cut the serving around your peep, right? Not take it out, but just cut the serving off, right? Don't cut your strings and bitch to me like, hey, Wendell, you sent me down. No, you do it carefully and don't fuck your strings up, okay? They're expensive. Let's keep those things going. Plus, by now, your timing's probably good and you don't need to change anything. It better be by now and you better not have that excuse that your timing's off. Um... 
go down to where your D-loop is, measure it, right? Measure your D-loop length because I'm going to tell you to cut it off. If you can, carefully, carefully cut your knock point off. You should have set up, if you set up your 27s to run right down the the middle, or like the bottom of the arrow was at the bottom of the burger hole on your 27 diameter arrow, that would be a little high with a skinny arrow. When you plug in your skinny arrow, the bottom of your, you know, 166 or X10 or whatever it is you're shooting um, will be running across like the middle to the upper section of the burger hole, right? Ideally, this is how it goes for me. The easiest thing that you can do before even cutting off the D-loop is get a bow square, plug it in to your, you know, plug it onto your string and look at where your knock point is running through your burger hole, okay? If it's running, I would say middle burger hole or lower, or but still got to be in the burger hole because if you're below, you're asking for trouble. But if your knock point is running middle burger hole or like low burger hole, I'd say you're good. Most likely though, because you just got done running 27s, it's going to be high. So what you're going to do is cut your knock point off, right? You're going to cut the the serving that you tied that to make your knock point. You're then going to, you know, have that bow square on. Put the bow square where it is. I like to set it so that the bottom of the bow square is right at the bottom of the burger hole. I clip a little knock on to where I want it to be so that my arrow is going to run right down the middle of the burger hole. That's what you want. Middle of the arrow, middle of the burger hole. Especially on most modern day bows, most modern day bows most modern bows are made so that the knock point is in the dead center unless you shoot a prime i don't know what the engineers at prime were thinking by putting the grip in the middle i'd imagine what they were thinking is it's going to hold really good if the grip's in the middle and not the knock point but eh, i don't know that's a weird that's that's odd to me but anyway enough about my opinion on primes i'd shoot one if i could um so you're going to cut your knock point off, all right? Then you're going to cut your D-loop off, but you've already measured your D-loop length. Don't don't go cut your D-loop off and then tell me you forgot it. I can't help you there. Um, I like to use calipers to measure my D-loop length. I used to run a really long D-loop, which is like an inch, because the longer D-loops are less affected by hand torque, release hand torque on your, main, on your string, right? If you... Um, have a really short D-loop and you torque your string or you turn your release hand while you're shooting, your string will actually move. I've seen guys demonstrate this before. It's pretty wacky to see, but it's true. It's real. Um, I think I'm running like a three-quarter inch D-loop now. Maybe kind of looks like, yeah, maybe three-quarters. It's a little less than it used to be. It used to be like 9, 0.98 of an inch or something like that. Um, anyway. Get yourself some good D-loop material. I recommend Spectra. BCY Spectra. I believe it's BCY 23 Spectra. I can't remember exactly. I just know it's the spectral material. It's like a thin version of crossbow caulking cord. And you're going to have to cut these, you know, cut that piece long because it takes forever to burn a little, what do they call it? A knot or to burn a, a bulb or a... There's a word for it that this guy used at uh, Vegas, the BCY guy. A button. To burn the a button, it, it you have to fluff it up a lot and then burn it a lot cuz it does this it it doesn't burn like regular BCY like polyester stuff. It it burns and unravels. It's the weirdest thing. Anyway, Spectra. I'm telling you if you pick Spectra as your loop material, you won't have to change it for a whole season. I mean, you'll get indoor. In the, if you put it on now, you'll shoot outdoor and then indoor also. Assuming you're not shooting a Chinese-made release aid. All right, a Chinese-made release aid will shred. You could put a steel. You could put a one of those aluminum clamp-on D loops, and a Chinese release will cut that in half. So, Spectra, right? I use a Spectra, a white Spectra D loop on mine. I've shot caulking cord before uh, that my buddy Jim gave me. Great stuff. Um, you know, if you really wanted to, you could shoot BCY 23 or 24, whatever you want. D-braid, you know. 
Um, whatever you want, it's all good, you know. I just prefer one that I can set and leave forever, right? Or as long as long as I can until I see something that I have yet to see, like even a loose fiber on this Spectra. And I promise you, I've put more shots in it, through it. I don't want to say that any of you people, but... And I don't mean to say you people in like a derogatory way. I just mean I put a lot of shots in on this D-loop, and it, it looks really, really good. Uh, if you guys ever see me, and I have my black um, 38, TRX-38, ask to look at the D-loop, because you can tell. You can tell that D-loop's been shot to shit, and it's still, <laughs> it's still holding. So anyway, back to the story. You cut your D loop, you cut your knock point, right? You set, you put your bow square up, you got your arrow or where it's going to be piping right through the middle of the burger hole. I like that, piping middle. I don't know, I don't know why, it just sounds good. It's running middle though, okay? You're then going to tie a single, a single knock set, knock set, a single knock point under where you like, if you, Put your knock there. It's going to be on the bottom side of that. Now, this is how I do it. You can run two knock sets if you want, but I took a, a, a seminar a long time ago from Dave Cousins, years ago, and he taught me, well, he taught us, the class, how to set up a bow and then tune it for through paper, all right? I had really, I really liked the way he taught it, and his reasons for it were freaking cool. Um, I can't remember all his stuff, <laughs> but I've been setting my bows up the same way ever since. And, um, it's always worked out really good for me. I've always gotten really good results and I feel like it's the no bullshit bare bones way to set it up. So you do a knock set under where you're, you know, say you, you have your knock clipped in where you want your arrow to run, right? And you have your bow score there. You can see your knocks at zero or where, wherever you're going to tie your knock set under. I do four kind of like box knots. And then Rudy taught me to do these in-between knots. I do three in-between box knots. And then you burn them. Or you burn the, the tag ends. So you have a nice little ball there. Four and then three on top of it. It should not look larger than four. Right? If you have like six or eight or whatever, you gone to, you, you, you done lost your mind. It's going to be a small tight little knock all right then you're going to tie your d loop on tie it on however you like kevin wilkie's got this really cool like half hitch clove hitch thing i can't remember which one it is um also dave cousins has the exact same like they have their own method for tying d loops and that's their they're both doing it the same another thing is they both used to run their ham skis very similarly with actual blades. And another thing, these guys shot together at like some kind of world archery event for the US team a long time ago. So I have a feeling they compared notes a lot. Wilkie's on the, you know, f way further away than Cousins is, but I feel like they, I mean, they shoot totally different bows, but they have a lot of similar things about their tuning setup. Um, so yeah, at least as far as this goes, it's very similar. Four, three under, four, three oh, in between. Um, tie your D loop on however you want. I used to think tying a D loop on backwards was better because the way I hold my hand is uh, my release hand is very flat against my face and I would, you know, kind of twist the D loop. Um, I don't think it matters. I think it's kind of all in my head. But yeah, uh, and then you're going to tie a seat belt around your peep, okay? means you're not going to serve the top and bottom in. You're just going to tie a seat belt. It's like four loops around your peep so that it doesn't shoot off and hit somebody or yourself. Because, again, we're setting this thing up perfectly for outdoor. So you're going to want to set your peep perfectly for 50 yards or 60. I think um, Broadwater does 70 yards. It's really – it's up to you, right? I think the average yardage for Redding – is 43 yards or 47 or something like that. It's a pretty close, like the average target yardage is like 43, I'm pretty sure. Um, 
But, you know, if you set your peep up for 43 and you hammer all the 43s and you miss all the long shit, like all the long shit, or even the stuff that's vaguely long, like 50, 60, 70, you're going to leave a lot of points on the table. A lot of guys will set their peep for something like 60 or 70 because hammering a 40-yard shot is just going to be easy. You know, it's just easy already. So, ideally, you'd set your bow up for the hard stuff. And where that is is, you know, it's up to you. Maybe 40 yards is tough for you. So, set it up for that. Set it, I would set it up for the longest distance that you can comfortably shoot a lot at. I think for me, for me, is going to be 60 or 65 yards is where I'm going to set my peep this year. And that's going to be on the outdoor bow. So, you're going to set your peep up with a, the seat belt, right? Four uh four loops around your peep double box knot it burn it in don't do it so tight that when you move your peep you shred your strings but make it tight enough that that, sh- that peep doesn't pop off and kill somebody all right i saw it happen to a really good archer once this guy buck hayrand uh man that guy's got terrible luck but <laughs> he shot a peep right into his fucking eyebrow and it looked like it, it seriously looked like Mike Tyson punched him and then bit him right on that same spot. Uh, he was all cut open. So, man, if you guys ever get a chance to talk to Buck Hayron, you should. He's probably going to be at this Yuba Sutter Spenceville event. Uh, the guy's got a ton of knowledge on bows and strings and stuff, and he can tell you a thousand injuries. I think I'm only going to quote, like, talk about him when I can discuss an injury that he's had. So, um, let's see. You're going to set your peep up for the distance. That's like, so you're going to go shoot, like you're going to take your bow out, start shooting. You're going to go to, um, you're going to start at 20 because that's where your peep's already set for, right? Slowly work your way out to 50. Do it slowly. Don't go out to 50 and shoot your 20-yard sight mark because you're going to kill an arrow. But work your way out to 50, you know? Generally what I'll do is I'll shoot 20, or I'll shoot 30 or 40, because the drop won't be too bad, and then I'll just dip over to 50 or 60. And as you're shooting, take note of how your peep is aligning to your scope, right? And also take note as to your grip pressure and how the bow is holding. And what I want you to do, most likely, you're going to have to raise your peep a little bit. I know Rudy is going to say the opposite. My buddy Rudy Sandoval is going to say lower the peep. I I don't believe that's the case. I believe you have to raise it. But, you know, to be fair, try both. Just start moving your peep around until you get a really good hold. Now, keep in mind, you move that peep up, do it like up or down. Move it a very small amount. If you move it a half inch, wherever those arrows go, it's up to God at that point. Because when you move that, that peep a half inch, those arrows, if you move it up, those arrows are going to be launching way over the target. If you move it way way low, guess where they're going. So do it just scooches. Just give it little nudges here and there, okay? Just give it little bumps until you start to get it real comfortable to where you want it. And once you have it, serve your peep in, all right? Um, because your peep moved, you might have to play with the string a little bit to get it to line up directly to your face, you know, line up square again. The way I do it, guys, I don't use a peep trainer. I literally sit there and twist the string on a bow on a bow press like they did back in the late 90s, okay? That's the way to do it. It's the way to get the best results and to get the most consistent pullback on your string. Or at least peep alignment. Most consistent way to do it. And sometimes that means taking a twist out of your main string and then adding a you know twist somewhere else or doing a half twist somewhere. I've heard of some guys taking a couple strands from one side of the peep and moving it over. Don't do that. All right, I, I highly recommend you don't do that. Um, yeah, I would just just play with it. All right. Another thing you could do if you can get your peep close, you can turn your D loop one way or another. So that when you pull back, 
your D loop is pulling from an angle and it your people rotate with it. Um that's a good one. I've done that in the past. But the thing is if you don't use like knock pliers and really cinch down that D loop, it'll eventually drift back and then your people become out of alignment again. So it's best to just take the time and line it up with your strings. Okay? If you let a bunch of string out to get it to line up, your drawing's gonna be longer. So you gotta let some cables out, all right, to shorten it back up. And that in turn will lower your your poundage, your draw your draw weight. So you're gonna have to crank your limbs in. It's all a give and take here, guys. Um, for me, God damn it, I hate saying for me. Oh, I apologize. Uh, what I like to do is do that until it's perfect, right? And then I'll run my limbs in until I get a poundage that I like. In or out. Um, so, yeah. That's pretty much the important shit, all right, for setting up your outdoor bow. After you get that peep served. Now, this is a process. Like, this is going to take you a whole day. If you have a range that you go to that has a bow press, this is what you're going to want to do. Um, after you do that, the first thing I want you to do, if you can... Get a third axis level. You might need two of them. But you're going to, you know, just YouTube how to check your first, second, third axis on your scope. And get that shit dialed in quick. And I think one way to do it is you, you know, you put these levels on your bow and your scope or your sight. And you're going to stand on a box or something. Right? I've heard people say aim at a door jam or a corner of your house. And then draw back and aim, you know, way up on the corner and then aim way low on the corner. Your house has to be built square for that to work. I've done that with my apartment. Or it's actually a house that I'm renting. And this place was, one, it's built on a hill. But two, I don't think Americans built this thing. Because it is slanted like crazy. Um, I want to say the same people that built the pyramids built it. But even the pyramids were built pretty square. So, you can hang a string from the ceiling and then aim up and down the string. Uh, one thing that I found really helps is go to a target at your local range that is uphill pretty steeply. And then first shoot flat, dial in for flat, and then shoot uphill and then see how far off you are. Um, that's the old school way of getting your third axis in. And you need a hill to do it. So, you know, it might be better off doing the Hamskia third axis leveling trick. But anyway, get your third axis in, all right? And that's no compromise, all right? You have your peep set up. You have your knock point. You have your paper tuned good. This is a no compromise thing, okay? You will lose points in reading if your third axis is not dialed in. And it comes back to bite you in weird ways, all right? A good example is your um, the super close target, the two-yard target. If your third axis is off, I believe it will... F up <laughs> your super close stuff. Um, I don't exactly know why that is. I know some people do like a walk back tune, and if you do a solid walk back tune, that should take care of the close, far, you know, what have you, the discrepancies between close and far. But I do believe the third axis can come into play on that. Um, regardless, there's such steep shots at Reading, have that third axis dialed in. And, you know, there's going to be steep shots for the outlaws, too. Um, or any, if you're shooting field, whatever you're doing. Because, you know, not all the listeners that listen to this show are in California. So, if you're going to shoot field, safari, I don't know about, you know, I'm not going to say ASA and 3D because I don't know. I don't do that. <laughs> I would like to, but I'm too poor. Um, I think it's mainly a field thing for field archery. Or like world archery style shooting. So get that third axis dialed in. It's another one of those things I don't want to hear an excuse about. And quite frankly, you shouldn't either. Alright? It's something that can be fixed before it's a problem. Once that third axis is dialed in, get your sight marks. Alright? And you can do it any number of ways. You can go 20 and 60, 30 and 80, 20 and 80, whatever. Punch it into archer's advantage, get your sight, your sight tape verify your sight tape all right so if you if you print up an archer's advantage sight tape 
you put it on your bow and you go and you shoot it and it's not in, it's not good. Say you find some issue at like 50 yards or 80 yards or even 100, it's not right. Print a new sight tape. Fix it. Archer's Advantage gives you six sight tapes or maybe five when you print them out. No, it's six. So it knows, hey, we're not always right. If we're not right, try one of these other sight tapes. All right? Um, it has like a an error percentage factored into it you should be able to get it just on that right now if you don't want to do that what i do is i get archer's mark it's an app on your phone i think it's 10 bucks you basically put in all the same stuff as archer's advantage only you don't get a sight tape you have to go off your phone the benefit of archer's mark is you can shoot your two marks and whatever is slightly out, you can correct it. You can just, what do they call it, shoot in that sight mark. So say you do 20 and 60, right? But 80 is out. You can shoot in 80, and it's like putting in a third sight mark. And then it will repopulate all the, or recalculate all the other yardages that are beyond 60. And after 80, too. It'll, it'll guess what comes after 80. You can continue to refine and adjust, I think, three times. So in the end, you could have up to five different sight marks. And then you can do a non-shot-in sight mark. So what I did for all my short marks last year, everything that was under 10 yards, I just punched in manually what the short numbers were. One yard, two yard, three yard, four yard, and so on. I just punched them in manually. And um, when you don't, when you click not shot in, it just saves the number, and it doesn't calculate anything above or below it. It's a really good system. The downside is you don't have a sight tape. People are like, well, why is that a problem? Well, if your processes get to the target, look at your sight tape, or range the target, set your sight accordingly, right? It's good to have a sight tape to go, okay, what's the target? 70 yards. Let's range it. 71. All right. Go to your scope or your site, 71, right? The reason why that's advantageous is because what happens is sometimes you get to the target, you go, what's the yardage? Uh, okay, it's 43. Um, and then you go, you look at your site and you go, okay, let me bust out my phone and Archer's Mark. And then you start looking, you look at 43 yards and then it gives you the numbers. Say so the number's 5150, right? And then as you're turning your your dial, someone says, hey, Wendell, I heard this funny joke, you know, uh, you know, a rabbi and whatever walk into a whatever and blah, blah, blah. And then you go, ha, 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 I'm trying to shoot here. And then you set your sight for 4300 or some stupid error like that. And guess what? You shoot this this foam deer in the leg and you, you lose 11 points for your team. All right. Now. That might sound oddly specific. It's because that's exactly what happened to me at the Break the Barriers event. So have a sight tape on your bow so that you can just go 71, boom, set it to 71. And then you can use Archer's Mark. If you want to be really, like, this is how I run it. I'm this anal retentive, right? I go 71, cool. I'll set my sight for 71. Then I'll look at my phone and see what my phone says. 71 yards is 5150. Then I'll look at my sight dial and I'll be like, oh, I was actually 5140. Uh, click, click. There we go. Two clicks. Two clicks at 71 yards, I think, makes a difference. It's going to be whether or not you're low in the spot or out. You know? So that's me. That's me personally. Maybe someone, you know, one of my buddies will be like, eh, two clicks don't mean anything. Well, you may be a better shooter than I, sir. Okay? We'll see. I'm planning on bringing the heat this year. And it's... Okay. I've been harping a lot on the Outlaw series, guys. I'm not going to be able to shoot it this year. Um, wifey had a really hard time with me taking so much time off for Vegas. She's going to have a hard time with me taking it off for Reading. That's not to say I won't be at these events. I'm going to try to make it to every event that you guys are at. And shoot it as uh, I don't want to say regular person, but there's basically there's regular people and then there's outlaws, right? Regular people, you're not shooting it for money, you're just shooting it for fun. Maybe a belt buckle sometimes, which I also like. The outlaws are shooting it for money. Outlaws are always two day events. 
regular people shooting it for one day. I think wifey will be cool with me shooting it single day. All right. Um, and I, I gotta get out there. I gotta get out there and shoot some orange spots. So it's going to be the only way I can stay fit and, you know, keep up with shit. But, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I won't be able to mix it up with you guys. I, I was really hoping me and my buddy Darren would, uh, give you guys a run for your money, but maybe that'll be next year. And maybe I can bring my, my kid along and she can hold my arrows and spot. <laughs> oh man, I hope my kid's good at spotting arrows. I hope she's not like me. <laughs> I remember I was calling arrows for this guy once at our local club. And he's like, he shoots an arrow and he flips around and he waits for me to call it. And I was like, six o'clock X. And he goes, really? And I said, no, wait. That's a tweener at 11. And he goes, what? I said, no, no, you're, you're jarlicking at three. And he's like, well, what is it? I'm like, you're out. You're actually way outside the spot. It's <laughs> fucking terrible. Oh man. All these lingo, all this lingo, jarlicking, tweener. Ugh. I don't even like the word tweener. It just sounds, sounds gross. Um, I'm sure there's plenty of I'm sure there's all kinds of code out there that you guys can use for this kind of shit. But uh, bam. There's also going to be, for Northern California guys, Lake Sonoma Ultimate shoot. I just learned about today. I'm definitely going to that. So, yeah. Bam. Well, guys, that's the indoor to outdoor thing right there. All right? I touched on some other stuff. But that's going to be the meat and potatoes of it. It's mainly going to be in your knock point and your peep height. Everything else, not too crazy. All right? You guys should be able to figure that shit out. Get your third axis dialed in. It's your homework. It's your homework for this week. If you're shooting field on Sunday, make sure these things that I told you about are dialed in. Okay? Make sure your third axis is good. No excuses. All right? Your timing is good. Your bow is set. You've had all indoor season to make sweet, sweet love to that bow. Now you guys are going to go out and fuck some shit up. All right? I can't wait. My outdoor bow, I got an old, old old-ass Halon X-Comp. And I've wanted one of these ever since uh, this guy Mark Rubio had one. He was tearing shit up with it. I remember seeing him shoot um, Nevada City. There's a It's a tournament near us called the June Shoot. All his Californians. And he shot that Halon X comp in the wind and domed a I mean, he didn't dome it, but he shot a pig, a foam pig, uh, like right in the orange spot. It was awesome. So I'm getting an X comp. It's old, I know. I should be shooting a new bow and helping promote the industry, but my new bow is the thirty eight. So Field is gonna get an old bow. And maybe, maybe I pick up a new bow if I can do it early before reading ideally guys you're gonna put let me see how many arrows are there let's do some math here on a regular safari shoot you're gonna do 48 48 targets and you're gonna do two arrows a target. It's 96 arrows right ideally before reading you're gonna do let's see let's go 96 times 7 your goal is to put 700 competitive like competitive shots through your setup before reading, right? And that doesn't mean 700 shots where you get to change shit, all right? It's not 700 shots and halfway through you bought a new scope and put a new scope on or you changed arrows or you put a new arrow rest on. No. It's 700 shots with the same setup. I'll allow you to alter your stabilizer weights or your back bar. All right, that's understandable. Cuz you got to that that shit takes time to feel out, all right? But don't go buying new arrows 300 shots into it or buying a new sight or god forbid buying a new peep, all right? You got that stuff dialed in. If you don't change it early, change it before that 700 shots takes off. And uh and get it going. All right? Don't I, I, the way I see it, if you change something big in the middle of a season, 
you're giving yourself an excuse to not shoot good. Okay? And if you guys listen to this show, you you know how I feel about excuses. And you know how I feel about people walking up to you and telling you that why they shot bad. Okay? There's no reason to shoot bad. And one thing I always say is you owe it to yourself to do everything right. Alright? That means you do your homework. You knock, you check stuff off on the box. I took care of this. I don't have to worry about my third axis. You know, um, my paper tune is where I want it to be. doesn't have to be a bullet hole. It just has to be where you want it to be. All right? My sight marks are good because that is homework. Doing your sight marks is homework. That's the short stuff, too. So before any of these events, I try to call around and figure out what the short yardage is going to be, which is kind of cheating what you need to have is three, I think two, three, four, and five. If you guys have those down, you should be good. If you want to be extra credit, have them all the way up to nine. And then 10, you can start using your site. Well, no, I guess up to 14 is what you need. Because at 14 is about where the, what do they call that? The uh, parallax or apex or whatever happens. And then you start going back on your site tape. Anyway, I'm just upsetting some people now. Um, so there you have it, guys. This is episode one of season two. The good shit. It's, uh, indoor bow to outdoor bow. All right. Um, I just want to thank DB Custom Coatings. They're the big time supporters of this show. Check out, uh, Darren and Bet. They just put up a really sick, it's like white and titanium Hoyt Invicta. It's got the American flag done on it it's distressed it looks really cool you guys check it out um you guys hit up darren or bet at db custom coatings on instagram and uh tell them it's like hey i saw the american flag i want one done and uh they'll give you the rundown of what you got to do all right guys uh who else gold tip doesn't sponsor the show but you guys know how i feel about gold tip i'm just gonna say gold tip all right there's that and uh, Carbon Craft Stabilizers, I still got them. I still got them on. I'm going to try some bee stingers, but I don't know if it's a supply chain or if Tim Gillingham's using all the stabilizers. I can't get a front bar that I like, so <clears throat> I'm going to try some bee stingers out just because I'm a gold tip enthusiast. But as of right now, I'll be honest with you guys, the Carbon Craft Bar is the king. All right. All right, dudes. And ladies, dudettes, that's the show. Uh, tune in next time, and uh, we'll talk about something. Probably I'll be talking about my prep for indoor nationals. Although it'll be way too, anyone that listens to it, it'll be way too soon for you guys to do anything to prepare for it. But that's what's coming next is, is me prepping for indoor nationals. All right? Akuna Matata, bitches.